Well, good morning. I think we'll make a start. There'll probably be a few more people coming in, which is great. Um, but we're going to make a start now and get on with our service. So let me just uh, open it in prayer and then we'll carry on through the service together. Father, we thank you this morning that we're able to meet here, to read your word, to sing your praise and to learn more about who you are and what it is that you have done for us. Father, all of us come from various situations. On our hearts this morning are many things. And yet, Lord, none of that is a mystery to you. It is all known. You know everything about us. Lord, you know the things that we desperately want you to know so that you can help us with them. And you also know the things that we really would wish that you didn't know. You know our sin. You know our failures. You know the times that we have not lived up to your holy standard. And yet, Lord, despite knowing that, you love us still. So much so that, Jesus, you came into the world to die on the cross to take the punishment that we deserve for our sin. So, Lord, we pray this morning that we would come to you with everything, with our worries, with our cares and with our sin. And we would ask for your help and for your mercy and for your forgiveness. I pray that each of us would know what it means to give you our lives and know your forgiveness at work in our hearts. Lord, we pray that this morning our thoughts would be directed towards you and that we would not be distracted from that. And Lord, we do ask that we have, as we have a time of fellowship afterwards, that that will go well and you will bless us. In your name we ask these things, Jesus. Amen. We're going to start by singing our first hymn, number 73, Christ is made a sure foundation. Let's stand and sing number 73.
Uh, well, it is great to see you all this morning, and uh, it is wonderful to be here. It's very warm, isn't it? Uh, we're still at that time when if we turn the heating off, it will be freezing in the morning because it'll be the day that it rains and it's horrible. And if we leave the heating on, it's going to be roasting. So we've got it off now, so it's not on. We've got the windows open, so that's good. Uh, but apologies that it was a little bit warm when you arrived. But it's better to be warm than absolutely freezing as well. So it's all okay. Um, we are uh, meeting after this service for a buffet in the back. That's a coronation buffet because obviously it was the coronation of King Charles yesterday. Uh, if you object to that because you're a Republican, you're still more than welcome. And you can just pretend it's about Coronation Street or something. Okay, well, that's not a problem. You're very welcome. You know, we, uh, we're going to have our Bible study on Wednesday at 7.30. And this week we'll be back to Malachi. So we look forward to that. So that's our 7.30pm in the church this Wednesday. Uh, then on Friday at 10 a.m. we have the baby and toddler group and then at 6.45 the CBC club. That's for children of school age to come to. Um, next Sunday at 11 a.m. we'll be back here in the church for our Sunday service. And although unfortunately there'll be no buffet, uh, but there will be tea and coffee and at least biscuits and possibly cakes. So we look forward to that. We're going to have uh, our reading now, which is from Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. If you have one of the church Bibles, which uh, look like these, and there's some at the back if you've not got one and you want one. And uh, we're going to read from Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. And if you've not got a Bible, feel free to just listen along. And again, on the, uh, this is page 829, if you have a church Bible. Philippians chapter 2, beginning to read of verse 1. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should, not, should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the air. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ, to the glory of of God the Father. Brilliant. We're going to have some choruses uh, uh, in, uh, in just a moment. Um, so we'll need some help from Renea at least, because she will be uh, good with the actions for these. Um, and if anyone else wants to come to the front, you're very welcome as well. Just before we do do the chorus, just a, a quick thought on, on, on yesterday. Obviously, we are celebrating the coronation that happened. And I, I was watching it yesterday with some friends. And uh, one of them just commented and they said, what, what do you think Jesus thinks of what we're watching here? And their comment was that when Jesus came, of course, he came humbly to a stable, not to uh, a royal cathedral. And as we talked about it, we reminded ourselves that actually in Revelation, Jesus will one day come with power and splendor and glory far beyond what was on display yesterday. You know, it's interesting. Uh, as you're a child, maybe you have a toy train or a toy car. And it's just a, a, a tiny picture of the real thing, isn't it? And yesterday was almost like a toy train compared to the real train. And one day when Christ returns with all of his angels and all of the glory and the music and everything that happens, that'll be far greater than what was on display yesterday in that church. And to us, what we saw yesterday was so impressive, wasn't it? It's like, wow, that, you know, that, can you, that is not our experience of church, is it? I mean, Stuart is great at the organ, but our organ doesn't have all the pipes and we don't have all the, the music and the, you know, we, we, we get along and, you, you, and sometimes I stand too close to the mic and you hear my terrible voice. 
And yet when Jesus returns one day, when we, or when we go to heaven, if, that, if we go there first, then what we'll experience in his presence is far more than what we saw yesterday. So how amazing is that to reflect on? Right, we're going to sing some hymns. Let's sing Stop to start with. We, stop to start with, that works well, doesn't it? We'll sing Stop to start with. So we've got some stop signs. So maybe if you could give us a hand, that'd be amazing. Renee, do you want to grab some stop signs? Brilliant. you want a big one? Yeah. Not quite ready. Oh, we're ready now. We're ready now. Okay. Stop and let me tell you what the Lord has done for me. Stop and let me tell you what the Lord has done for me. He forgave my sin and saved my soul. He cleansed my Let me tell you what the Lord has done for me. Go and tell the people what the Lord has done for you. Go and tell the people what the Lord has done for you. He forgave my sin and he saved my soul. He cleansed my Okay, should we do our God is so big, so strong and so mighty? Is that okay? Should we? Oh, that's brilliant. Right, we're going to sing that one next. Well done, Renee. You've got all the stop signs there. That's great. I think I'd be more interested in them if you're real lollipops rather than just lollipop signs. Okay, so we're going to sing, our oh, God is so big, so strong and so mighty. Our oh, God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing that we cannot do. Our oh, God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing that we cannot do. The rivers are his, the mountains are his, the stars are his handiwork too. Do you know what? We're going to try a new one. Do you know there's a flag flying high, Stuart? Do you know that there's a flag flying high? Okay, well, we dab move it. Do you know that there's a flag flying high? Okay, we're going to dab move it. There's a flag flying high. There's a flag flying high. Okay, follow the path. So, if you want to grab on that, we're going to have some flags to wait. Okay? How are they? Who knows? Who knows other words? Who knows other words? Sandra wants a flag. Sandra wants a flag. What what does it mean when there's a flag flying from Buckingham Palace? The king is there. Okay. Now, it's interesting with everything that we've seen, we talk about it being a picture for a way, because God is described, as we heard yesterday, as the king of kings, the ruler over all. And this is a song called There's a Flag Flying High from the Castle of not Buckingham Palace, but my heart. And the reason why there's a flag is because the king of kings is in residence there. So just to clarify, we shouldn't need to say this. Well, we're not singing about King Charles. We're singing about the king of kings, God. Okay. Now, if you don't know the words, we'll sing it through twice. And by the second time, you'll have got it because it's really simple. And I think there's enough of us that, that can remember the words. Okay, let's have a go. There's a flag flying high from the castle of my heart, from the castle of my heart, from the castle of my heart. There's a flag flying high from the castle of my heart, for the king is in residence there. Let it fly, let it fly, let the whole world know, let the whole world know, let the whole world know. Let it fly, let it fly, let the whole 
amazing residence there. There's a flag flying high from the castle of my heart, from the castle of my heart, from the castle of my heart. There's a flag flying high from the castle of my heart, for the king is in residence there. Let it fly, let it fly, let the whole world know, let the whole world know, let the whole world know. Let it fly, let it fly, let the whole world know, that the king is in residence there. Brilliant. So great for the people who have flags. And those of us who didn't have flags, I think there's a dozen taxis pulling up outside that we've just flagged down inadvertently. Um, right, let's sing another one. Should we do, what should we do? Should we do A, B, C, D? What do you reckon? Let's do that, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. So if, you, if you've not heard this one before, then the, the big bit to shout at is when we get to the word, oh man, okay. So we're gonna sing A, B, C, D, E, F, G. B, C, D, E, F, G Jesus died for you and me H-I-K-K-L-M-N Gave his life a simple Amen O-B-Q-R-S-T-U I believe the Bible's true It was a bit quick. Oh, sorry. Uh, it was good. I think we went, we went well. Right, okay. We're going to do one more. Why don't we do He Made the Stars to Shine and then we'll finish with that one. That'll be great. Sing. Come on, she's dressed for a coronation. <laughs> and it's your birthday. So we're going to sing happy birthday to Renea, okay? I think she's 21. No, <laughs> <laughs> well, she says four if you ask her. No, I'm And you can pretend that all of the cake in the back is yours. <laughs> yeah. 
Brilliant. We're gonna we're gonna carry on, and in a minute we're gonna sing another chorus. Oh, sorry, we won't let you go just yet. We're gonna sing 795 in our boots, uh, and that, that is you laid aside your majesty. So again, as we think about what we saw yesterday, and we think about the glory and the majesty that God has, which is so much greater than anything we see here. Actually, the reality is Jesus was prepared to lay that aside to come and dwell among us so that he could take our sin and earn our forgiveness. And, you know, it is a time with all that is happening in our country. It's a bit of an excuse for people to have festivities and all the rest of it. And actually, we can make the most of that. So we've got uh, some Gospels here uh, and they've got pictures of King Charles on. Um, But, you know, if you've got neighbours who are celebrating and that they would take something like this as a memento, or if you want to take something as a memento, it's just another opportunity to get the Bible into people's hands. So if you want one of them, we've got some here. And I'm sure my dad will mention more about them later. So do help yourself. uh, And feel free to take one for yourself or for friends or for family members. It's not because King Charles has necessarily got anything to do with the Bible. But it is because this is an opportunity where actually people who might not normally take a Bible might be willing to do so as a memento. Right, we're going to sing together chorus 795 in our book, 795, which is You Laid Aside Your Majesty. dad to come and speak to us in a minute before i do just let me pray for him and for us as we listen father we thank you for your word that you have given us and lord i pray that what my dad has prepared this morning is what you would say to us now father open our ears to hear from you so that we might be touched by your word so that we might be impacted by your truth and so that we might live our lives in a way which we can joyfully honor you and live for your glory Father, we thank you for what we have seen in our nation recently, especially yesterday. Lord, we do not know King Charles personally, and we do not know if he follows you. But we do know that we are told in the Bible to pray for those who are in authority. So, Lord, we do pray 
for the king of this country, King Charles. We pray that he would be saved, that he would be someone who knows what it means to be trusting, not in his own goodness or righteousness, but instead wholly trusting in what Jesus has accomplished for forgiveness and salvation. Jesus, we pray that you would grab his heart and bring him to yourself. And then we pray that you would bless and honour him and help him to rule with wisdom and with kindness and mercy. Father, we pray for ourselves. Lord, as we consider what we have seen, Lord, as we recognise the finest things in our culture, maybe, and we recognise that that is just a pale, insignificant thing compared to your glory. And as we've just sung, you, Jesus, gave that up. You laid it aside to come and dwell with us, not even at a time like today when we have so many modern conveniences and comforts, but instead at a time 2,000 years ago when life was hard. And Jesus, that you, although you lived uh, in some senses a normal life, uh, a life without all the comforts that the privileged in society would have had, you went on to suffer terribly. You hung on the cross and you died not because of anything that you had done wrong, not because of your sin, but Jesus, because you loved us so much. And because when you died, you took the punishment that we deserve for our sin, which rightly should separate us from you. And that you took the wrath of the Father and the fury of hell so that all would turn from sin and turn to you, putting our trust in what you have done, Jesus, would be saved. Father, we pray that that would be each of us this morning. And Lord, if any of us are not depending on you for our salvation, Lord, we pray that you would speak to us and you draw us to yourself. Lord, I pray for my dad now. I pray you'd bless him and encourage him and use him as he speaks to us about what you have said in your word. For your glory. Amen. Well, good morning. And uh, it's great to be able to gather this morning in this way. And we do have a lovely day outside and it is nice and warm inside. Yesterday, as you know, how could you not know, it was the coronation of Charles III. Now, you might not have been invited. I don't think any of us were. But there's a strong connection between what happened yesterday and us here in Croxton. Now, listen. If you go out of the church and turn left, go on to Scepter Road, you'll come to Orb Close. Anybody live in Orb Close? You know where Orb Close is? If you haven't seen it, take a walk up Scepter Road and you'll not only see Orb Close, you'll see Orb Walk, Sword Close, Sword Walk, Sovereign Road, Coronation Road, Standard Road, Regal Road, Throne Road, Catena Crescent, Armill Road, Ampula Road, Herald Close, Spur Close and Scone Close. Did you notice yesterday? Cast your mind back. So when you sat in front of the telly, did you see the orb, the sword, the spares, the coronet, the sovereign, the throne, the herald, the stone of scone, the royal standards being used and displayed in what was a very grand and regal occasion? Katana, what's Katana got to do with it? Katana, the sword of mercy. And to illustrate this, the end of that blade that Prince Charles was offered and took hold of. If you look very carefully, it doesn't have a point. It has a rounded end on it. It's not a sharp pointed sword. We'll look at that later. Armil. What's Armil got? Armil is the name of the garment worn by the king during his coronation. Okay, let's go on. Ampula. What's that got to do with the coronation? Well, if you look carefully, you would have seen this golden um, eagle. And that was the top of a, a cup. And that vessel contained the oil that was used by the archbishop to anoint the king. That's the ampula. 
And all these things represent, now get this, they represent the authority and the responsibility that was being placed upon the monarch. Okay? That was the reason for all those things. They represented the authority and the responsibility that he was being given. The act of consecration. This is a very private thing. And again, if you'd watched what was happening there, you wouldn't actually have seen it because of the screens that were placed around it. When the late Queen, Her Royal Highness Elizabeth, if you watch the coronation from that one way back in 1953, and you can because it's on YouTube, you can watch it. I actually watched it on the telly. We had a nine inch black and white telly and everyone crowded into our house. And what we saw, we saw the Queen divested of all her royal robes and all she wore beneath them was a plain white garment. She took off all her jewellery. She sat down on what is, and you'll have noticed there's a very simple throne, it was an old throne. And as she sat there dressed in plain white, where the public could not see her, she was anointed by the then Archbishop of Canterbury as she confirmed her allegiance to God. She went in as Elizabeth, not a member of the royal family, not one who is about to be the queen, not as a princess. She went in as Elizabeth. No jewellery, no fancy clothes, just hair. And then she came out from behind those screens. And then her royal robes were put back on her. And yesterday, King Charles went through the same ceremony when the Archbishop Justin Welby anointed King Charles out of sight of the public. He used this olive oil. And when he did that, he was anointed on his head, on his chest, and on his arms. And as the Archbishop did that, he quoted a passage from the Bible. And the words that he quoted are words that had been used in every British coronation since King Edgar. And you know when that was? Way back in 973. 973, that's a long time ago. And the anointing of the monarch goes back even further than that. Because it goes back to the Bible. It goes back to the anointing of King Solomon. And the words that were used at that anointing were taken from the passage. And we can read that passage. It's in 1 Kings, it's chapter 1. It's 38 through to 40, you no need to look for it. I'll read it to you. And this is what that passage says. So Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benai, son of Jehoadai, the Carathites, and the Perathites went down and put Solomon on King David's mule, and they escorted him to Gion. Zadak the priest took the horn of oil from the sacred tent and anointed Solomon. Then they sounded the trumpet, and all the people shouted, Long live King Solomon! And all the people went up after him, playing pipes, rejoicing greatly, so that the ground shook beneath the sound. That was way back. And that was happening. That was a real event. And that real event influences what was going on yesterday in Westminster Abbey. In 1727, a long time ago, Handel, a great composer, he composed a piece of music based on those very words. And it's been used and played at every coronation since, even the coronation of King Charles yesterday. If you listen up for it, you'll hear it. And that piece of music, it's called 
Zadok, the priest, played at every coronation from the year that Handel wrote it, right up to what happened yesterday. In the Old Testament, now here's something to think, think about this morning, to consider. See the importance of what was happening. In the Old Testament, the anointing was for those who God had set apart. Okay? And they were set apart to fulfill one of three specific offices, depending who they were. Three separate but specific offices of those who had been set apart for the work of God. The prophets were anointed. One Kings again. God speaks to Elijah and he says this, Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimish, king, so the king was anointed there, over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abmaholon, to succeed you, that is Elijah, as a prophet. So he got two. Two separate posts. Two separate positions. King and a prophet. If you go to Exodus 30, you can read about the priests. They were set aside for God's purpose. And we read this in Exodus 30, verse 30. God said to Moses, Anoint Aaron and his son and consecrate them so that they may serve me as priests. And we've already mentioned king. Because when it came to Solomon, the passage that we read, Zadok the priest, took the horn of oil from the sacred tent, anointed Solomon. Then they sounded the trumpet, and all the people shouted, Long live King Solomon. Three positions, right? Prophet, priest, and a king. You got that? Jesus fulfills all three roles. He is prophet, he is priest, and he is king. Matthew 5, verse 7. This is what Jesus said. He said this to the people. Do you think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets? I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. You see, those three roles were pointing to the Messiah, the one who would come, the one who would be prophet, priest, and king. So you don't need then, as far as the Bible is concerned, prophet, a priest, or a king, in order to get right with God. It's all in the person, Jesus. Hebrews 1, verse 1 and 2. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, this is the days we're living in. This is for us. This is the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. But in these last days, he has spoken to us, how? By his son, who is he? Whom he appointed. Get that? Set apart. Appointed. Appointed to do what? To be prophet, priest and king. All those responsibilities. For a Christian, Jesus is the one who fulfills all three positions. He's the prophet. Brings us God's word. He's the priest. He takes us into the presence of God. And he is king. King of kings. What about the orb and the scepter? Scepter road, orb close up there. Well, if you noticed it, you would have seen it as part of the ceremony. Both they were. First of all, the scepter. The scepter was a staff, okay? Very ornate. And it was presented to the king. And it was a symbol of his sovereignty, a symbol of his authority, a symbol of him being a ruler who was there to administer guidance, protection, justice, show mercy, and administer punishment to the wicked. Remember when Esther had to go into the presence of the Persian king Xerxes? He had his scepter. And as Esther stood in the doorway, if he offered the scepter, she could approach. If he refused, the guards who stood either side, armed with axes, if she tried to walk up that aisle, she'd have had her head removed before she got there. 
because that was his symbol of authority. Didn't have to hit, hit it with the scepter. That just showed his authority. See the symbolic meaning there? Scepter. King Charles was presented two. There are actually three. But just for the sake of what we're saying here, he was presented two. He took one and he took the You see him sitting there holding it very nervously. <laughs> and I think if I'd have been him, I'd have struggled. I'd have had to let go of one of them to lean on the chairs so I could stand up. <laughs> but he held on to those two. They were two scepters, two rods representing authority. Let me take you to the most famous and well-known psalm in the Bible. Okay, you don't have to say it, but you're all thinking Psalm 23. Yeah, that great psalm of David, only a short psalm. And it's, the Lord is my shepherd. You'll hear it read quite a lot at funeral services. But it's a living psalm, it's for the living. And that psalm, I'm just going to share one little verse of it with you this morning. And this is the verse, it's verse 4 of Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, notice, walk through, yeah? It's important. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. That is the authority of the shepherd. His rod and his staff. His rod was there and his staff was there. And with those, he could defend the sheep. He could rescue the sheep. He could protect the sheep. The sheep could, if they were feeling a little bit afraid, could gather round him. And they probably nestle in to the rod and the staff because they knew the one who held the rod and the staff was their shepherd, the good shepherd, and he's our shepherd. And he owns and he holds the rod and the staff. Is that great? And they're not silly or naked things. They are real things. It is real authority, living authority. We're going to hear about that again a little bit later. God's power for the cross. Did you see the orb? Nice piece of, you know, jewelry, furniture. It's beautiful. Severe. Severe? No. Severical. It represents the air and it has a cross on the top. You couldn't miss that. And so King Charles was presented with the orb and the orb with the cross speaks of the globe representing Christ's dominion over the world and symbolizes the responsibility of the king responsibility that the king has over what his time in the world but it's representative of the fact that there is one who has a greater power, who represents the whole world for the whole of time and eternity. And these are the words that are used during the coronation as this orb is presented to the king, as he has to recognize that he has authority, but his authority is limited and his authority is overpowered by the cross. So listen to what the Archbishop says to the King when he gives him that. Yeah, he presents it to Charles and Charles has to accept it. And he says to him, receive this orb set under the cross and remember that the whole world is subject to the power and the empire of Christ our Redeemer. Do you get that? Do you see the importance of those words? And what did King Charles have to say when he was asked, will you receive this? I will receive it. That's what he said. Did he mean it? I believe his mother, Queen Elizabeth, when she accepted that, 
I believe she accepted those words. Why? Because you could see it in her life. A recognition that there was one greater than him. Even with all that regalia, oh, the whole world watching. As I said, I watched it in 1953 and it wasn't the whole world watching then. I was one of the very few. I was old enough to still remember it. Great. But there's one greater. John 19. I'm going to take you to Jesus as he stood before Pilate with his garments removed. And as he stood there, Pilate questioned him. Pilate's role was to decide whether he was guilty or innocent. And he couldn't find any guilt. He wanted to wash his hands literally of the whole thing. That's where we get that saying. Wash your hands of it. Comes from when Pilate washed his hands. Tried to push it to one side. Tried to shirk his responsibility. Well, his responsibility was, really, to let him go. But no, he didn't do that. But listen to a little bit of that conversation. You can read it in John's Gospel, John chapter 19. Pilate, he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said. Don't you realise I have power either to free you or to crucify you? And Jesus answered, this is important. You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Yeah. Remember those words. Remember the significance of that all with the cross on. With these words of Jesus, those words are words that were directed at every world leader who was present in Westminster Abbey. All those rulers, they were all there in that abbey when those words were read out loud. <clears throat> to every world leader throughout the world during the whole of time are words that every world leader needs to recognise. You think you're top dog. You're not. And the power you have is from above. And you have been given that power. And you have the authority to use it. Here's the question. How will you use it? And here's the answer. If you don't use it right, you're responsible. Not just to your nation and your people. You are responsible to the one who hung on the cross, that stood across above the orb. It's a chorus for me sometimes soon. Kingdoms may rise, kingdoms may fall, but the word of the Lord endureth evermore just like us just like every other person on this globe King Charles has to recognise that authority and King Charles is responsible to that authority listen to what God said in Genesis go right back in the Bible, Genesis 49. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of nations shall be his. That's speaking of the return of Jesus. Going to the New Testament. Listen to what Paul said to Timothy. As Timothy was taking on the responsibility 
of a church. In the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who, while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession. And then Paul goes on, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearance of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed, the only ruler, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honour and might forever. Amen. Hebrews 1 verse 8. But about the Son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. And we go from Genesis right through to Revelation and all these facts are revealed to us. Revelation 19 verse 16, on his robe and on his thigh. He has the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Rulers of the world, get a hold of that. Yesterday, King Charles was presented with a sword. I mentioned it was called the Cortina. That's the sword's name, the Catena, or Cortina. Cortana, whatever you want to pronounce it. Cortana Crescent, if you live there, you can tell me how. It's only around the corner. Cortana. It means the sword of mercy. That's what it means. That's why it doesn't have a point and it's got a blunted end. Have a look at it again. Go on, whatever you want to do on the telly. You can go and look at these things again. And have a close look and you'll see. It's symbolic part of the symbolicness of that sword is it's a sword of mercy and it has a rounded edge God is a God of mercy and his grace extends to all who will come to him with a contrite heart seeking forgiveness through the power the death and the resurrection of Jesus Ephesians we read that passage earlier just a few verses. 6 verse 17. Wasn't it Ephesians? It was Philippians we read earlier. I'm going to read Ephesians anyway. And I'll read Philippians in a few minutes. Ephesians 6 is an illustration of the armour of God. And that is symbolic of the protection that God gives to the believer. And Ephesians 6, 17. Take the helmet of salvation. That's the first step. Take the helmet of salvation. And then it goes on. And the sword of the Spirit. Showing us God's way of protecting the believer. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of of God that's the Bible the written word of God is the sword of the spirit again Paul said to Timothy all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching rebuking correcting training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped to every good work in Westminster Abbey the world was witnessing the pomp and circumstance of the coronation. The coronation of a king who will be known as, this is his full name, you might have to remember it in case you meet him. This is his name. Charles the Third, by the grace of God of the United Kingdom, of Great Britain and Northern Ireland and of his other realms and territories, king head of the commonwealth and defender of the faith that's his title but this morning here in Croxteth on Scepter Road surrounded by all those other names yeah that we've looked at 
we can come into the presence of another king. And he wore a crown. A crown given to him by the people. And they didn't cheer him. They booed him. And they mocked him. And they scourged him. They didn't give him the royal robe. They removed his ordinary clothes. They did put a mock robe on him. And they did call him king and then laughed at him. Matthew 27. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand and they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. They spat on him. They took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on. Then they led him away to crucify him. He did this so that you and I, if we accept him as our saviour, as the one who there was paying the price for our sins, we can say like from the words of Isaiah, Isaiah 16 verse 10, I delight in the Lord, my soul rejoices in my God, for he hath clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom adorns her head and like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. We had a big celebration last night. I wasn't invited to that either. <laughs> but I bet you had a great time. And good for them as well. But you know, we've got a greater time to look forward to when we're in the, in the presence of the King of Kings, when he wears the crown that is his. But he wore that crown of thorns for you and me. In the words of the Archbishop of Canterbury, as he handed the orb to King Charles III, Receive this orb, set under the cross, and remember that the whole world is subject to the power and empire of Christ, our Redeemer. The orb, without the cross, is still a world, but it's a world that is lost. And our hope is in the cross. I'm going to finish with um, a passage from Revelation, something to look forward to. Revelation 19, verse 4 through to 8. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who was seated on the throne. And they cried, Amen, Hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants. You who fear him, both great and small. And I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, like the loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our God, our Lord God, almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has come, herself ready. Fine linen bright and clean, was given her to wear. You know, that composer Handel, who wrote, was laid off the, the priest for the coronation, was also led to write another piece of music and words based on that passage that I've just read from Revelation. And that is called the Hallelujah Chorus. <coughs> listen to Zadok the priest and the words. Listen to the Hallelujah Chorus. And in the Hallelujah Chorus, don't worry, I'm not going to sing it. I couldn't. Well, let me just give you a taste of the words. For the Lord God, omnipotent reigneth. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. King of kings, 
forever and ever. Just pray, King of Kings, forever and ever. You need the big choir and you need the big organ. You need Stuart on the organ. But you get the feel of it. Have a listen to it, the Hallelujah Chorus. King of Kings, forever and ever. Hallelujah. The Lord of Lords, forever and ever. Hallelujah. And he shall reign, and he shall reign, and he shall reign forever and ever. King of kings, forever and ever, and he shall reign. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the question is, do you know that king as your king, as your Lord? King of kings and Lord of lords. You can. How? You don't have to do anything. Because he's done it all when he died on the cross. But you do have to be faithful. You do have to make that commitment, that recognition, that as a sinner you are lost and you stand under the wrath of God. But if we come to Christ with a penitent heart and invite him into our lives and walk his way, he'll be there. We're going to sing a hymn. Um, the hymn is Crown Him With Many Crowns. It's 109. After that, we're going to have um, a short time around the Lord's table, and then after that, we'll go through the back room. And uh, let's just stand and sit.